This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 98, a census, media use by tweens and teens. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. It's so great to be back with you all as I find myself this week in Moses Lake, Washington. At the end of three weeks on the road here in the state of Washington, I've been working with six different school districts in that time, most for multiple days around redefining teaching and learning in the era of one-to-one computing and the internet. In fact, today while I'm recording this on October 29th, it is the 50th anniversary of the internet. How crazy is that? The internet is 50 years old. Not the internet as we knew it. This was the first time a message was ever sent between two computers, but still pretty incredible to think about that we've been having this type of technology for 50 years. My big takeaway over these last three weeks is that we need to continue to try and understand this current generation that is in our schools. We need to understand that they are different from us. They are different from any generation ever. So yeah, your classroom management strategies from years past might not work. We need to understand that how they are used to learning may not match with how we're used to teaching. They are, for better or for worse, a media-first generation. We have to accept that. We have to accept that they are being raised in a world where we are surrounded by media, not text, and it is having an effect on how they live and how they learn. And we have to accept the facts that are this generation. That's exactly what today's talk is about. I'm excited to announce that Chris Butler from the Project Based Awesomeness podcast is joining Shifting Our Schools as a co-host. You can hear Chris in episode 41 here on Shifting Our Schools, and now you'll be hearing from him even more as he joins me in interviewing other educators. So welcome, Chris, to Shifting Our Schools, and we're excited to have you uh, join us here. Today we discuss the just-released Common Sense Media Census, Media Use by Tweens and Teens, a census that Common Sense last did in 2015 and allows us to compare the growth of this generation's use of media over the past four years. I highly recommend reading this census for yourself, especially if you are a coach a principal or a school leader or in a leadership role. I think there's so much in here that you could bring back to your staff or to your team. It really is a fantastic look at the growth and use of media today from this generation. I think there's a lot in here to unpack. You can get it by signing up for a Common Sense Media account and download the census for yourself. It's free uh, at the link provided in the show notes. So in the show notes, there'll be a link. If you sign up for an account or you already have a Common Sense Media account, you can download the census for free and go through it. I personally haven't gone through it all, but today in this episode of Shifting Our Schools, uh, Chris and I had literally just got the uh, census. We just downloaded the PDF, and so you're going to hear us going through and kind of first thoughts off the top of our head as we're going through the key findings on this census. I'm looking forward to digging into it even more because there's a really, I think, a lot in here to unpack that I still understand. But this is kind of a first look of our thoughts on the 12 key takeaways from the common sense census 
on media use by tweens and teens. And with that, on with the show. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited to be doing another episode. And I'm really excited that I'm doing an episode with Chris Beller. Hello, Chris. Yay. Hey, how you doing? We are excited to announce that Chris is going to be joining the Shifting Our Schools team and helping me out with rounding up people to talk to and holding conversations and interviewing other teachers so that we can just bring more content to the 7.3 million people. I mean, (laughs) five people that, I mean, you know, however many people listen to this podcast. I love it. Um, Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Welcome, Chris. You've been on the podcast before. It was back. I, yeah. I don't remember. I'll have to go back and look. I don't remember what episode it was, but uh, yeah, yeah, we had you on, and uh, and I was on your podcast back in the day. So uh, yeah, awesome. Welcome. Well, why don't you introduce Thank yourself you. yeah. if people haven't uh, heard from you or know anything about you? Okay, give yourself a quick introduction. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, Chris Butler. Super excited to be with you, Jeff, on the podcast. I am. Um, so I've been in. Education now for, I, I always lose track of this, somewhere around 24 years. Um, I was. Uh, Does that include after you graduated high school or? That like, stop like, it, yes. It's 43 yeah, it years if you're my age. I've been in education yeah. 43 years. Yeah, as a professional. Being yeah, paid yeah to, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, I like to call myself a reformed English teacher. Um, I'm an instructional technology coach now, taught English language arts for 17 years. Um, grew up in the Yakima Valley, uh, cool. went off to school at WSU, Washington State University, go Cougs. Um, came back to teach in the Valley in Prosser, taught there for 17 years or so. Um, found my way after that, um, ended up in the Richland School District in Southeast Washington. Um, taught English for a couple years there and then worked my way into a uh, instructional technology coach role and I kind of have Jeff I have you to thank for this a little bit um I don't even know if you remember this but it was a conference at NCCE a few years back eight years back or so and I sat in one of your sessions and you kept mentioning and talking about the the role of the importance of having an instructional technology coach in the building in the district that sort of thing and we didn't have that um in our district and we were just started to move to a one-to-one we were starting to roll out a one-to-one plan to right. Chromebooks. Um, and so I kind of took this idea and I rolled with it and I uh, did a bunch of research and I created a job description and kind oh. of a five-year plan. And I presented this to my administration and they said, hold up, let's, let's call the people that we need to call. And yeah. uh, kind of got that ball rolling. It turned out that the district had been thinking along the same lines. And so oh, that following cool. year, I became an instructional technology coach in the district. That reminds um, me that my first tech, my first tech coaching job, I wrote my own description too. Oh, like the know, superintendent's yeah. like, what would you do? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, well, you need to write up something. I'm yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I got, <laughs> I, when I went out online and found job descriptions from all these different districts and kind of yeah. put them all together and what works and for us. And you copy and paste the best things, right? You're just Absolutely. like, Ooh, that yeah. looks like fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to do that. Description. Yeah. Cool. Um, so did that, uh, for four years in the district. Um, was part of the one-to-one rollout, um, got to help teachers move to this one-to-one environment and start to use uh, technologies in the best possible way that they could. And then um, 
just this last year. So I did that four years in Richland and then just this last year. So this school year now I got moved to um, Hood River, Oregon, um, and I'm the district instructional technology coach here. Um, doing the same thing I was, but on a bigger scale. Um, in Richland, it was more building-based um, with a little bit kind of district-wide. Now it's very much district-wide. And how big is um, your district? How big are you talking? The district is, so it's it's a county-wide school district. So there's one high school, there's two middle schools, there's five elementary schools um, okay. in one, one town of Hood River, which is about probably 7,000 people in the winter, about 20,000 people in the summer because all <laughs> yeah. tourists. Um, but... Uh, so it's it's a smaller school district, but it's um, got I I don't even know the number of kids to be honest with you. Um, the high school's twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. Okay. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a substantial um, yeah, district, not nearly as big as Richland was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's um, it's a change because it's more I'm I'm the guy, like yeah. I'm the person, the, the the guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm. I'm finally found my way um, just above water. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm treading water now. So, um, but it's been a good challenge for me. Good. And are you one to one there? Are they rolling out one to one? We are. We are one to one middle school to high school. Um, we're iPads. Okay. Um, and then elementary school is about two to one. Okay. And Google School, Microsoft. Google School. What, okay, Google. 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 So yeah. iPads with Google Apps. iPads with Google Apps. Yeah. And yeah. you are a Google certified trainer, so we're both yes. certified trainers. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, have some help and uh, some co-hosting uh, opportunities and just having somebody yeah. to help kind of lead conversations yeah. and stuff. And uh, along with all of your contacts uh, to get people on that we can talk about. Right. I'm constantly complaining here <laughs> on Shifting Our Schools that teachers love it when I talk to other teachers, but I need other teachers to talk I know, to. Right. That's always the problem. So, Well, and that's I'm what I'm super excited, excited about too is yeah. being able to bring in you know, I have my contacts, like you said, and yeah. I had, I had my old, my podcast that I had for a while too. And so some of our guests, if, if you migrated with me from Project Base Awesome podcast to the uh, Shifting Our Schools podcast here, we might have some of the same, same conversations, guests, yeah. but same, same people new. Yeah. So cool. But yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. It'll be fun. That's awesome. I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that um, our conversation today is going to be uh, this new report that was just released by Common Sense Media. So I got home today and I was setting up for uh, this interview or for us to have a chat. It wasn't even an interview mm -hmm. for us to have a chat today. And I was just like, oh man, what are we going to talk about? What are some things that are on my mind? And all of a sudden in my email mm -hmm. box pops the latest edition of the Common Sense Media has just released the 2019 Common Sense Census Media Use by Tweens and Teens. And the last time that Common Sense has done this big um, census where they go around and I'm not, I'm, I haven't read it, so I'm not sure what their methodology is yet and I haven't dug in, but they basically go out and they look for data on how are teens using technology. And I thought what a great opportunity uh, on this thing that literally just landed in my inbox and I'll make sure it's in our show notes um, so that other people can because if you're a tech coach or you're a principal mm -hmm. uh, or in any role like that reports like this I think are just I think they just really help us you know understand the kids that are in our classroom today and uh, if you've been here on shifting our schools with me you understand that's a big passion of mine is really learning how to respect and understand the kids that are in our classroom today. 
So yeah. um, I'm just, uh, so we're just kind of going through this in real time because we have neither one of us. I just literally shared it with Chris like five minutes <laughs> yeah. before we started recording. We're like, let's talk about this. I'm digging in right now. Just yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty cool. So um, just real quick, it's a national representation of they surveyed more than 1,600 uh, students great, uh, ages 8 through 18 years old. And so they've broken them down into two groups, which I think is really interesting. So they're calling the tweens 8 to 12-year-olds. So mm-hmm. between the ages of eight and 12 are their tween age group. And then between the ages of 13 and 18 year olds are their teenage group. And I really like it that they broke it down this way uh, because it, it really looks at, it's kind of fascinating, like just the little stuff I've looked at and we're going to dig into this, but yeah. how some of the things, there's very little difference between those age groups. And then other things, there's a significant difference on how kids are using tech. Yeah. The great thing is, is this is the second time that Common Sense has done this. So the last time they did this report was in 2015. So it also gives us some comparable data between 15 and 19 on what are some things that have changed uh, with the way that tweens and teens are using technology. So I thought maybe we would just go through the key findings and we can just kind of chat about these and and just kind of like, does that make sense? Is that what we're seeing? Mm -hmm. Does that surprise us? I mean, I think some of the stuff we're just gonna be like, yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so that sounds good to you. So let's uh, let's start here with number one. The first key finding they found is, on average, eight through twelve-year-olds in the United States uh, use just under five hours worth of entertainment screen media per day. So it came out to four hours and forty-four minutes, and teens use an average of just under seven and a half hours. So seven hours and twenty-two minutes not including time spent on screens for school or homework. What are your thoughts on that? Almost seven and a half hours on a screen and that doesn't include school or homework. Right. Um, it, it's a big number and it, it's, unfortunately it's not really surprising to me. Um, and this is, this is one of the big um, concerns, I guess that, as an instructional tech coach, and I, I know you've heard it, um, working with teachers and working with parents is, is screen time. Yeah. Um, and it's like seven and a half hours and not including homework. So, so if you, if you think about the time that, um, as districts, as schools are moving to more one-to-one models and having kids do yeah. work on devices, that's adding to that amount of screen time. Um, which, I'm not a parent, but as a parent, I can see the the concern in that. Um, now, I know we've talked, and I've mentioned this before when we've worked together. Um, I'm I'm a firm believer that there's a difference between screen time, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes, screen time, right. and and screen time, right? Yeah. Um, and so, if you think of screen time as just passive, I'm sitting here watching cat videos and doing seven and a half hours of that, then yeah. That's, that's, that's probably not the best use of screen time. That's right? alarming. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. yeah and I uh, think the same thing, like when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, it's this kind of data is the reason why when we're using technology in schools, we really need to think about, is it a good use of, to your point, screen time, right? That there's a difference between screen time and screen time. Right. And how do we make sure that if we're going to put a screen in front of students, in a school that we're using it in a really authentic way that's adding value. And it's not just putting more eyeballs on a screen because it's easy or it's 
I don't AKA better right, or right. it's flashcards and more entertaining. Like the <laughs> yes. last thing I need yeah. is more entertainment on a kid's <laughs> screen. Right? right. So and I think that's what I take away from this is like, and it says, it says, this is uh, entertainment screen media. Right. You know? yes. So to be thinking about that, that these kids are watching seven and a half hours. So I'm trying to think of that. That is the average, what the average school day, seven hours long. Yeah. And they're watching another seven hours within that. That's 14 hours of your day. Right. That's just incredible yeah. when you think yeah. about that. And, and, and that's just average. I mean, yeah. So there's a lot of kids watching more than that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And looking at their little graph here, they actually, it looks like there are uh, 29% of students said that they actually watch more than eight hours of screen time <laughs> per day on teens, yeah. right? Yeah, With the tweens, so between those, between the ages of eight and 12, the majority yeah. of kids were either at, interesting, the majority of kids, 26% at two hours or less, mm -hmm. which are probably those parents that have some kind of monitoring, you know, or, or <laughs> making kids get off. And then the other one is 26% are four to eight hours mm -hmm. a day. That's pretty incredible. That is, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good spot. I think that's a good place to start. This is just, you know, how do we make sure that if we're going to put student eyeballs on screens that we're using technology in really, you know, authentic, relevant ways in the classroom. Right. We, we don't want, when we go one-to-one, -one, we do, we are not saying we want kids on screens all day. That is not right. the reason. Right. right. And I think that just anytime we can just make sure that it's authentic and purposeful, we're doing kids a favor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the second key finding then is online video viewing is through the roof. More than twice as many young people watch videos every day than did in 2015. And the average time spent watching has roughly doubled. So looking at the graph here, we're showing that this is, I, I, this is an interesting one to me. So they're showing for tweens. So between those, the age, between the ages of eight and 12, they have two different bar graphs. They have enjoy a lot and watch every day. So how much do you enjoy watching video? And how much do you watch video? So how much do you enjoy it? And how much do you watch it? So what they're saying is between the ages of eight and 12, 67% of students say that they enjoy it a lot. And 56% of those between the ages of eight and 12 are watching videos every day. So that's almost over half of students surveyed said they're watching every day they're watching online video. Yeah. Now you get to the teens and it's even, it's interesting because enjoy it a lot actually decreases <laughs> to 58%, but watch video every day goes up to almost 70%, 69% of students yeah. say they watch video every day between the ages of 13 and 18. That's interesting. That's quite the jump. We go 56% by age 8 to 12 to 69% between the ages of 13 and 18. Yeah. And I'm digging in here a little bit more and looking at some specific things. So it says that um, watching videos now mm, comes second only in enjoyment, topped only by listening to music, but it beats out video games, TV, and social media. Wow. And so those are really interesting to me because yeah. maybe not the TV because I knew TV was 
on the way out on the way out yeah um but video games and social media now video watching videos is the the number one the number one thing we do yeah 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 um and it you know it's really interesting working with kids and seeing this and and you youtube is so popular now and you know yeah. they they all want to they want to be on youtube and watch youtube videos yeah, and of course um you know you see these kids watching instead of <laughs> so the thing with the video games right instead of playing video games they'll watch people play, play video, video games, games. Yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah so that i can learn to be better in my video game <laughs> yes you know? right I'm trying to, I'm learning here, people. Leave me yeah. alone. I like yeah. this too. It says, despite the fact that YouTube says it's only for those of age 13 or older, mm. 76% <laughs> of eight through 12 year olds say they use the site. By comparison, only 23% say they watch YouTube kids. Yeah. And then well, we complain that they are exposed to things they're not supposed to. Right. When that stuff, I'm going to guess, the most of that is outside of school. I, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Right. Hmm. Now, 53% of eight through 12 year olds said YouTube is the site they watch the most compared to just 7% of YouTube kids. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But you're, to your point, you know, I think a lot of times we see kids on, I mean, and I, this doesn't come as a surprise. I don't think to any teachers, but the idea that it's more popular than social media, I think this generation gets a bad rap sometimes for being in social media all the time. Yeah. And they are. They're in it a lot. I'm not excusing sure, that. Sure. But that that watching watching video for entertainment or like you were saying, for learning purposes, um, really is what they're doing. I wonder mm-hmm. how much I, I wonder how much of the time they're watching video is for learning like you were saying watching other people play yeah. video games or watching uh people do hairstyles or watching people put on makeup um right. you know i mean there are youtube celebrities in all these little categories absolutely i just wonder how much of that time is truly entertainment versus how much right. of it's like some type of learning process that they're watching the videos for it'd be really interesting to see that that would be interesting and i and i think that's a great point i think and and you brought this up i know the fact that YouTube is the number one search engine for what is it? 13, 18, under, under the age of under the age of thirty five. Under the age of thirty five. Yeah, that was yeah. a Pew yeah. Internet uh, Pew Internet research came out with that yeah. one. So yeah, yeah. So it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, the next one I think is it relates to that, and it's not that big. So the, yeah. the third finding was there's been a large drop in the amount of time both tweens and teens spend watching TV on a television set, and I think. Yeah. I think we've seen that across society. It'd be really interesting to look at these numbers, even outside, like what is it for 20 year olds? What is it for 30 year olds? I bet we're seeing yeah. a decrease at every, you know, at every group, every age I would group. think so. Yeah. yeah, I would think so too. I think TV is just on the, on the way out. Yeah. Um, but it's showing just, uh, just for you, if you're listening along, uh, they're saying that uh, the amount of TV viewing in 2000. In 2015, 48% of students said that they were watching on a television set, and that's down to 24%, which is just crazy. Mm-hmm. That's live, live TV. Right? Well, TV shifted, and on, on-demand devices is both, of course, skyrocketed. So. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I wonder even if part of it is just the term television, TV. Yeah, that's um, so true. You know, because... 
they're on their devices and they watch streaming video, but they might yeah. but they watch it on a tablet or their yeah. phone or something like that. So, so true. Yeah. So these these next two I think are are really interesting, and I, it um, it doesn't shock me. I'm just glad that the information I've been telling teachers is actually now backed <laughs> up by research. I mean, I had the research I was using was talking to teachers, what teachers yeah. were telling me. Right. But uh, number four here, the fourth finding is by age eleven the majority, 53% of kids have their own smartphone. Yeah. And this is the crazy part. By age 12, so that's basically from, 10, from fifth grade to sixth grade, from, and by age 12, more than two-thirds, more than 69%, almost 70% of kids said they have a cell phone by age 12. Yeah. So it goes up by, what is that? That's like 16% difference in one 16 year. 16% in one year. Yeah. Incredible. But yeah. you look you look at the graph, they've got a great graph when you when anybody else downloads this. We're mm -hmm. showing like I've always told teachers what I have found, and this is just like talking to teachers all around the world, is basically what I see is second grade is twenty percent, third grade is thirty percent, fourth grade is forty percent, and that's almost like you look at the graph here, it's almost it's, right there. So almost right on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like by the time you're ten, which is fourth grade, it's at thirty six percent. So it's roughly, yeah. you know. Where in 2015 it was at 19%, and I think that for me those those numbers are the ones that are most shocking to me. Yeah. Um, the the jumps in the last four years. So yeah, just in four years, look at that. Ten year olds, 19 in 2015, 19% owned a smartphone. Now it's 36%. I mean that's just those the jumps are huge. Yeah, look at age 12. Yeah, Four, 41 to 69%. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, almost a thirty percent twenty, almost a thirty percent jump. Yeah, in, in four years. In four years. Wow, and then at age eighteen, it's jumped from seventy-seven percent to ninety-one percent. Which basically, yeah. by the time you're eighteen, we're looking at, you know, the majority of kids having having devices. Yeah. Um, and just what is that doing? You know, when twenty percent of your eight-year-olds <laughs> have their own device. Right. How are we teaching the classroom? How are we teaching and changing the classroom? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, key finding number five, there are substantial differences in the amount of screen media young people use based on social economic status. Uh, so we're looking at the social economic status of what people are actually doing. So smartphone ownership. Uh, so tweens, I'm trying to read this graph here, see if you understand this. So tweens from higher income homes use an hour and 50 minutes less screen time than those that come from lower income homes. So, okay. So this is saying that, yeah. So that students from a lower, lower income home use screen time more. Correct. Yeah. So I just, I think that is really interesting that I don't think for many of us, we think of it that way. And they, and just the note here is lower income is less than $35,000 a year. Okay. Higher income is more than a hundred thousand dollars per year. But those students who are coming from household and just to kind of put that in perspective, I think that, and I can look it up real quick, but I want to say the average household income in, well, let me see average before I say something, average household income in America right now is, I wanted to say, oh, I was wrong, 49,851. So the average is 50,000. Okay. 
So you're looking at low income being under 35,000 is spending in tweens between the ages of eight and 12, spend almost six hours on screen media versus those in high income are four hours. Wow. That surprises me. Almost two hours. They're almost spending two hours more time. Hmm. And then four to seven, six to eight. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty, I'm looking at the difference between the tweens and the teens and it's, the difference is pretty, pretty much the same. Yeah, pretty much the same, about, about yeah. two hours. Yeah. You know, so here we have low income kids who are already struggling. Um, right. You know, they're coming from households that are struggling, but it is showing that they are just as connected as far as having access to media. Yeah. And not only do they have access to media, they're actually watching more media than those that are coming from higher incomes which is what we've seen. There's other studies out there that are showing this exact same thing that we are seeing in the household. We are seeing those that are coming from a low socioeconomic status actually being more, having more connected houses than those that are coming from middle and upper class because the middle and upper class are starting to quote unquote shun the connection, right? Or starting to yeah, right. understand we want balance, whatever that means. Right. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting that that's, these figures are showing that too, that it's our younger students or our students that are coming from poverty that we might need to be most concerned about spending more time on screens. Yeah. And an entertainment factor. So just something to think about. Yeah, I know that's interesting. Um, finding number six, the amount of time devoted to social media has remained steady while the age of which young people first start <laughs> using social media varies widely. Yes. How great is that? Right. So among 16 to 18 year olds who use social media, the median age is first use is 14. Wow. 28% say they started before the age of 13. So almost 30% of kids are saying, oh, we didn't wait for that 13 and older thing. Yeah. 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 No, that's 43% at 13 or 14 years old, and then 30% not until they were 15 or older. Mm. This is. Wow. African-American teens enjoy using social media more than white teens do. 51% enjoy it a lot compared to 37% of whites, Hispanic, Latino, uh, and Hispanic, Latino are in between at 43%. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. I, I've never thought about looking at the use uh -uh. of social media based on ethnicity. No. Hispanic Latinos devote an average of two hours and 23 minutes a day. African Americans, uh, two hours and 15 minutes a day. And white students, one hour and 35 minutes a day on social media. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I've never thought about breaking it down that way. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. So if you're in a school that has a high Latino or a high African-American population, mm -hmm. what are the different conversations we have to be having? Um, hmm. 
or what conversations do you have in a class in a class and the different ways that those different ethnicity or those different uh, racial groups actually use social media I wonder if they use it in different ways too yeah that no yeah that's an interesting thought um, and I'm just thinking in broad strokes here of the ways they they use social media and I was going back to an earlier the the breaking down between mm, watching video and versus social media and that sort of thing um, and that video is more popular now than social media in the kids' mm. minds. Um, but I think they use it differently than older, like we do. Like right. we'll spend time, we'll spend a substantial amount of time buried in Facebook or right. buried in Instagram, right? Just digging through and like, oh, look at this post and like, and they'll pop in, do their thing and pop back out. Now that's true. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any significance to that in this finding, but it's just an interesting way to think um, in terms of how they use social media. Yeah. But, but you're right. I, I like the fact that as educators, we need to think about what does this mean? Like how, what are the implications in our classes? What are the implications yeah. with our students? How do we, how do we use this knowledge in, in education? How do we, yeah. you know, talk to our kids and you know, that that's important things for us to think about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hmm, that's cool. Um, the seventh, no, the seventh finding here is one that I'm constantly thinking about when you're, you're, I love your idea of the difference between, you know, screen time and screen mm -hmm. time. Um, mm -hmm. but number seven here, the seventh finding is despite the new affordance and promises of digital devices, young people devote very little time to creating their own content. I mean, this goes to what the research shows, right? Like right. kids yeah. are spending seven hours consuming very little time creating. Right. That when you go one-to-one, -one, we are putting this powerful creative device in the hands of students. Mm -hmm. How are we helping kids become creators with technology? Right. That needs to be focus of schools. Absolutely. And I, I think this makes it even more so, more important then like we always knew like i always knew it was important we need to have students creating but this report is just driving home this idea to me even more because they're not doing it at home they're not do a, a few are i mean a yeah, few are a creating few are. but the majority are just using it as a passive entertainment source so yeah um in our classes when we're working with teachers when we're working with kids we need to have them the students creating we need to get them out of that pass just pacifist, pass, being a passive learner. Yeah, right, um, thanks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and actively engaged in doing yeah. things. Um, and I think it's more important now than ever before. Yeah, and the report, when other people download the report and read it, you can go through this and read it, it kind of breaks it down, but really what it's saying is that just 2% of tweens, when they kind of break it down, it's about 2% that are actively creating something creating video, creating music. Um, so you think about that, that we've got all this access devices, we've got kids on these devices, yet only 2% are actively creating with it. And I think that's something that I'm always trying to push in my trainings is how do we get kids to create with technology? Yeah. You know, the last thing I want is kids watching, you know, watching YouTube videos for entertainment uh, in a classroom or, or going through something where, you know, we're sticking them on screens because it's easy for us. Right, yeah. 
How do we get them to create? Yeah. It's just, that's, that, that's what we want. Hmm. Uh, this is a good one too. Finding number eight, boys and girls have vastly different taste in media. So it breaks it then down by gender. Uh, so in 2019, this is pretty interesting. We're seeing 73% of girls uh, listen to music while 59% of, of boys. But online videos, more boys, 67% of boys are watching online video while 56% of girls. Social mm -hmm. media is a, is a girl thing, 50% uh, and 32% of boys. TV, like watching TV is pretty, pretty standard or watching on video on your, on your devices. Yeah. 38 and 43. Um, reading, reading, 36 for girls, 25 for boys. Mobile gaming, boys 48, girls 35. Video games, check that out. Yeah, it's a big difference. 70% of boys say they're playing video games while only 23% of girls. Wow. So I wonder what that's like, you know, with the push to gamify the classroom. Yeah. I wonder what, what girls feeling about that. I don't know. Yeah. Do they, would they, do they respond as yeah. favorably they, to that? Yeah. Do they get it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. like the, yeah. the, I, I mean, I know they get it, but you know, do you get the, is it, is it as engaging? I don't know. Be interesting. Yeah. 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 And computer games, 42% boys, 20% girls say they play computer games. Yeah. Um, so you kind of break this down and you have girls who listen to music. And again, this is just in this report, but girls listen to music. They're on social media. Uh, mm -hmm. They're watching video. They're reading on devices. Yeah. Yeah. And boys are um, watching online videos, watching other kids play games, right, on, mm -hmm. on yeah. the videos. They are mobile gaming, video gaming, computer gaming. Yeah. So. Nothing there super surprising to me. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. The, the, the disparity, I guess, the, the difference between males, boys, 70% video games yeah. and 20% per girls is huge. But I, yeah. I don't know if it's super surprising to me, but I think it, like you mentioned, it could could play a part in like the gamification of schools. Yeah. Um, you know, that might be something we're going to have Tisha Richmond on a little plug. We're going to have Tisha Richmond on in a few weeks um, with us. And she um, is big into the gamification world. Yeah. Um, so that might be something we could ask her. Yeah. If she knows the difference. Yeah, that would be, that'd be a good question. Um, and the thing I find interesting is when they break this down, like uh, I just want to know what did they define? And again, I haven't read the research and I'm sure they right. do define this, but um, because if you look at mobile gaming, mobile gaming, they're only about 10% apart, but video gaming, yeah, they're, they're this major thing. So, cause I was yeah. reading another report that basically was showing that, uh, boys and girls were, were almost exactly the same when it came to gaming, but it probably depends on, I don't know how they break down. What's the difference between mobile gaming, video gaming, and computer gaming. Right. Like is video gaming on a video console, like an Xbox I wonder if that's what they mean. Like oh, that, that might Xbox be it. Xbox yeah. or a PlayStation or something versus yeah. mobile gaming being on your phone. Yeah, that, that must be it. That must, I, be that, that must be what they must do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. 
All right, finding number nine, young people are more than twice as likely as they were four years ago to say that they use computers for homework every day. Right? So we're seeing this massive increase in students using uh, computers for homework. And I think that just shows where we are in education. Yeah. So 27% of tweens use computers for homework every day. So do nearly six in 10, 60% um, of teens. That's a substantial increase from the last four years when only 11% mm. of tweens and 30% of teens said they used computers for homework every day. So we've gone from 11% to 27% and 29% to 59%. Yeah. Um, on average, teens spend 41 minutes a day doing homework on computers and 12 minutes, a 12 minute increase from 2015. Okay. Wow, so 41 minutes doing homework and seven hours and 22 minutes for entertainment. <laughs> wow. That's a big difference. That's huge. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I, I wish there they would, there was a way for them to break this. I wish they would have broken broken this down further somehow. Yeah. Um, to say like, what were they doing as far as homework on the computer? Were they doing research? Were they writing a paper? Were they, you know, that that sort of thing. Yeah. But but yeah, as far as that, just the big difference from that, just watching videos to this. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I love this one. Uh, the finding number 10 says <laughs> the digital divide is still real. Uh, and they break it down by laptop ownership among teens. And again, they did a low, low income, high income. And we've closed the gap. I mean, that's fantastic to see. Let's give yep. ourselves some credit. In 2015, low income students, only 25% had a laptop, while 62% of high income people had a laptop. And now that has, that it's actually dropped for high income. It's down to 54%. Yep but we're up to 36%. So there still is a gap for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this, that right there is the reason why I think we have to go one-to-one. -one. That, that, that was exactly my thinking. That's, this shows that we need to, it's an equity issue. It's we an equity to, issue. Yes. Yeah. I 100% agree. And that is every school I'm working with when they're like, why do you go one-to-one? -one? I'm like, because it's an equity issue. It's an equity issue. Yeah. I mean, at this day and age, we need every kid to have a level playing field and have the same access to information. Yeah. So a little bit, a little bit of a tangent here, Jeff. So I have some teachers that I work with that, you know, we, they, they agree completely. Like it's an equity issue. We need to get the hands and devices of our kids, but there's also a worry about students not having access to Wi-Fi at home. Um, have you had this conversation with, teachers you work with and what are some districts doing as far as that goes and yeah so um i think it's more of an issue i find it more of an issue in rural districts than in urban yeah. districts yeah. because even in urban in urban areas if kids don't have internet at home there's usually some place that has free wi-fi yeah or uh you know i have some districts who are partnering partnering with um like sprint or t-mobile uh, for low-income kids, they'll subsidize a LTE USB, mm, yeah. you know, dongle that'll give them Wi-Fi at home. Um, then rural districts, I'm finding that conversation uh, to be different because these are kids who 
literally lives in homes where there is no Wi-Fi, right? There, there is no connection. And they don't even have a data connection on their phone. Right. So it's one of the things where, you know, I've seen some school districts that are saying, this is why we have to go Microsoft because we want the app on the devices. Um, so, you know, you have Word on the device, you have PowerPoint, because we, we can't rely on Google apps right. that, you know, run on the internet. And then you have those that have gone Google that say, well, we're going to teach every student how to take their stuff offline. Yeah. Right. And so you can do offline mode and it works yeah. quite well. Um, so I think those are the two ways that I'm seeing most districts work around that. But I don't think we can use it as an excuse not to go one-to-one. -one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, what percentage of your student body doesn't have internet and Wi-Fi at home. Yeah. And if that is a really small percentage, like if we're talking one or 2%, we can find a way to support one or 2%, but right. don't handicap every kid because one or two, I mean, those kids are already handicapped. I mean, the data right. shows, right. the kids are already handicapped. Yeah. By giving yeah. them a device, we're at least, at least helping them out <laughs> that way, you know? Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. what are you finding? What are you noticing? Like even in your school district, you must have some kids that are out and about. We, we do um, because it, being a countywide school district and we have some, a couple communities that are up the hill up towards the mountain that are very, um, the demographics flip basically um, and they become more, um, well, they're, they're, a lot of migrant farming farm yeah. families yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of um, lower income families. And so okay. we're, we're seeing that um, at those schools and those schools are, so what's interesting is, and this is another conversation probably for another time. Um, I know I've had it a few times. Um, our middle schools are not what I would consider true one-to-one because -one they don't take the devices home. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's a whole other discussion, but um, so it's kind of it's kind of a wash in that case. Since the elementary kids are two to one, and the middle schools don't take the devices home, then eh, then it doesn't really. If they don't have Wi-Fi at home, internet access at home, then it's not not really an issue as far as the work they need to do because they don't have the devices at home anyway. So what can teachers expect them to do? Does that yeah. kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now I have my own thoughts about that and mm -hmm. you know, that, um, but you know, I saw it in, even in my last district, which is a fairly, it was a, it, it, the different demographics were definitely different. Um, a lot more, um, upper middle class yeah. families. Um, but we had, we had a few families in, in the community that didn't have access. Um, and we, we're working on ways to to help them out with that, but but it was also less. It, it was mm, it was more of a city type. They they had access other places. They could go other to places, the, yeah. The library or whatever. Yeah. The coffee shop down the street, or right. You know, right. They, there was a way to get access if you wanted it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are your schools um, in? Um, Hood River, do your schools have public Wi-Fi that kids can go to? Because I know that's some things that school districts are doing. Um, they, yes, but I don't know how, I don't know how ro robust it is. Yeah, 
Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know how far the access goes outside of the buildings. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, the number 11. So two more findings. Uh, yeah. Number yeah. 11, nearly a third, 32% of all teens in this country say they read for pleasure less than once a month, if at all. Yeah. I would just, I just want to know what <laughs> is that? I, 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 I understand the concern for that. I'm not saying that that is not, con not a concern. But I'm also interested to see how does that compare to adults? How does that compare to other generations as well? I just wonder yes. if we, I just wonder if we as humans in America are just not reading a lot, and that is just filtering down. I don't know. Right. To know. Yeah. And yeah, but exactly the same same thought came to my mind. Um, mm -hmm. And what are they considering reading for pleasure? Like, yeah, a novel. Exactly. Um, a, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. So. Interesting. Fifteen mm -hmm. percent of teens say they never read for pleasure. Thirteen percent of tweens. Oh, I don't know. I have my own yeah. feelings about that too. As much as we try to force different types of reading that is not tailored to that student in school. Right. I'm not. I wouldn't want to go home and read for pleasure. You just yeah. made me read a book that I'm not right. really interested in. That's enough reading right. for the day. Yeah, exactly. I'm done with that. I'm done with that yeah. of the day. So, yeah. Uh, the last one in is the 12th finding is a vast majority of young people don't use tools to track their screen time, nor do their parents. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> now, I know this, the, the screen time tracking tools have just in the last few years become more of a thing, right? right? They, they weren't really people didn't use them very much but because screen time now is becoming a, a concern on so many people's parts like i know like my iphone has the screen time yeah app track and, and all that kind of yep, thing, right? my pixel has the well-being app yeah, yeah yeah um and i dig into that a little bit just to see what i'm doing and that sort of thing but the biggest thing and you when you're reading this the nor do their parent parents that aspect of it yeah I mean, I think that's, that's pretty telling to me. Yeah. So uh, the data here shows that 15% of those between the ages of 8 and 12 self-monitor the time they spend, and only 12% of teens. And parents, so it has parents monitor child spent, uh, time spent, 28% of tweens, and 14% of teens. And then parents monitor what children does, 50% of tweens, 26% of teens. What I would like to do to your point, Chris, um, mm -hmm. is one of the things I'm constantly trying to help teachers do is have more conversations to build the habit of self-monitoring. Yeah. Right? We need to teach this generation. I mean, especially what this report is showing is how much time these kids are spending on screens and on specifically the cell phone or, or on mobile devices. How are we constantly having conversations with students to self-monitor? Yeah. If only 12% of kids between the ages of 13 and 18 are self-monitoring, yet on your phone, you have the app that will self-monitor, or not self-monitor, <laughs> but that you can use to self-monitor yourself. And I don't want to use it, I don't want to use it so much for students to, to get in trouble, but I think it's a, it's a reflective piece, right? I want yeah. you to be, I want you to open that up in class and let's talk about 
you know, we all go down the YouTube rabbit hole. Sure. You know, yeah. I do too. I, I open up one video cause I want to watch <laughs> one video and next thing I know it's two hours later and I'm still watching right. videos, right. you know, right. like we all do that and yeah. just have being aware. I think a part of it is just for all of us being aware of what we're doing on devices. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's just like any other type of learning and it's something that we don't do as much as we should in all other types of learning is that, that self-reflection, right? It's so important to yeah. self-reflect on our learning where we're at. Um, and this is just another type of learning. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited to dig in this more again, this was just released and I thought this would be good. We can just kind of walk through it together and kind of, yeah. uh, kind of a first look at this report. I'm excited to kind of dig in. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more. I love reports like this because when I'm working with teacher and if you're a tech coach again, or a principal out there, Here's some real research on what our kids are doing. I think there's some great questions that we can, um, as educators, use in our conversations with kids. So again, this is the Common Sense Census Media Use by Tweens and Teens 2019. I'll make sure there's a link to it uh, in the show notes. You're going to need a Common Sense Media account, which, if you're listening to this, isn't a bad thing to have anyway. <laughs> Common Sense Media Account. It's free. Doesn't cost anything, uh, and you get great research. Like yeah this as well so um thanks for kind of looking at that with me it's kind of cool to yeah that's fun see what's out there um yeah so tomorrow we're doing another recording do you want to talk a little bit about some of the people we have lined up here in the coming weeks that uh you've you've you uh have reached out to and we talked about sure. tisha tisha's gonna be here uh, what's her book um, uh, making learning magical making learning magical so she's gonna yeah. be on the podcast here in the future um, who else do we have coming? We've got Adam Pollock, um, who is, I connected to him um, through my old, the other podcast that I did before, the Project Base Awesome podcast. He was, um, he just started listening and we started a um, a group, actually, <laughs> We started a Voxer group. A couple of our listeners, Aaron's and I had listeners in um, cool. Michigan and they started a Voxer um, group just to kind of talk shop with all of us and Adam jumped in. Right. Um, and he is teaching overseas in China actually. So that's kind of why this, the time frame is a little awkward for us to get this put together. But um, so he's gonna join us, which we'll, we're gonna have that interview tomorrow afternoon, which will be Thursday morning for him. Cool. Um, but he's doing some really cool stuff at his school. And so he's going to talk about that. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I just got um, confirmation. Erin's going to come on. Oh, awesome. She, she wants to join us again. Oh, good. Um, she's great. Yeah. Um, so Erin Dickey, who was my old partner in the Project Base Awesome stuff. And I co taught with her in Richland. And she's a she's a instructional technology coach now was a teacher before when we talked to her. So she'll have a new, um, oh, great. A new lens. yeah. New lens. Um, so we have, let me think who else do we have, have a couple other teachers that I've worked with in the past that are, they're not, they haven't confirmed yet. They've expressed interest. They want to do it. We're just trying to nail it down, down a time, but they're doing a co-teaching model, um, kind oh, of a wow. team teaching model. Cool. Um, so it'll be interesting to talk to them about kind of what they're doing and what it looks like and how it works and that sort of thing. So oh, very cool. And again, yeah. just a reminder to anybody, if you would like to be, if you'd like to come on and have conversations, uh, every teacher is doing great stuff in the classroom. 
uh, we are more than happy to have you come on. You can reach out either to Chris and I. Uh, the easiest way to do it is to head over to sh uh, Shifting Our Schools, sospodcast.org is the website. There's a contact form there. Or you can leave us a Flipgrid response, and any time yeah. we get one of those, we put those in the podcast as well. So, uh, well, Chris, it was great having chatting with you, going through this yeah. sense of stuff, and uh, we'll be hearing more about you in every episode to come. So, this absolutely, is I'm excited, Jeff. All yeah. right, man. all right. Okay. Right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.